Hey, we want to welcome our Greece campus with us right now. Um, and those who are joining us online, let me just grab real quick to acknowledge those who are joining us from, 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 oh, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. New York, Massachusetts, Georgia, Michigan, uh, an unknown state. Apparently, we're birthing a new one. South Carolina, New Hampshire, Kentucky. Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Minnesota, Maryland, Kansas, Illinois, Florida, and the list goes on. Can we just welcome those who are joining us online? Mm. And we're so excited because, um, as you know, we started our Monroe County um, extension, and they only allow 50 people at a time, and we've already maxed out the 50. So we are asking if they could do a second service for us. So yeah, man, come on now. This is why we believe that whether you're here today as an insider or you hear as somebody that is curious and you look at this and you go like, these people must be smoking something. This is just weird. It is okay because the most beautiful thing is Jesus will find us where we are. His love, His kindness will find us where we are. And I'm going to pray for us because today I'm going to conclude the message beyond anxiety and Today, my conversation is going to be a little bit more of a spiritual one because we recognize that anxiety lay, lies on many levels. But today, we're going to learn a lesson from, from Apostle Paul. He's an apostle in the New Testament. You go like, what can he teach us? Oh, he, he, we're going to find some things that he can teach us that we are not victims of something, but we can be responsive to something that wants to victimize our lives. But I'm gonna pray for us, Father. Oh, so many beautiful people in our campuses today. Thank you that no one is here by accident. Um, every single person is here by divine appointment. And I thank you. You take the frequency of my, my heart, my voice. You intertwine the very words and the intentions of heaven. And you translate it to where every person is resident and active. God, I pray that there will not be a single person that find themselves uh, disconnected from this moment, dozing off. Um, their bodies are here, but they are long gone. Keep us present, Jesus, uh, that we in the next 20-some minutes uh, will receive the eternal words that brings life, hope, and healing. For you said, your words are spirit and they are life-giving. May we hear those words today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can I just take a moment and ask you to thank all of our technical and volunteer teams and programming teams. Oh, they have been here all week and getting ready. And man, we should make a documentary on what it takes for them to get ready for the weekend. We are so, so thankful for each and every one of you. And men, get your tickets. This men's gathering is going to be off the stinking hook. It is going to be amazing. If you know what I know, don't want to miss this. It's going to be so amazing. So today we're going to read a portion of scripture in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Philippians is a New Testament book and Paul is writing and I'm going to encourage you to read it out loud with me. You go like, why? Because there is something when we read out loud together that that scripture echoes in our ears and our hearts just a little longer. Are you ready? 
Yeah, come on, Greece Campus Online. Here we go. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Now, if I had to read that in isolation, not knowing what I know about the context and the background, I would ask you the question, where do you think, who, who will, where would somebody need to sit? And what would they need to experience to write something so poetic, so beautiful? If we read two more verses, we would all be asleep. Because it's like, don't worry, be happy, rejoice. Hey, hi, don't worry, be happy. And I go like, yeah, he's probably sitting in some street cafe and it's one of those beautiful moments. You know, the ones that could, we can probably count on our two hands that you can always remember. It's those perfect moments in life where you are present and, and you smell and you see and there's no worry. Um, you carry no bird. You know what I mean? Those moments where it is just beautiful, so kill me now. You know what I mean? It, it is perfect. And I would go like, yeah, Paul, you had one of those moments. And you're probably watching, uh, looking over the Mediterranean, eating an olive, and go like, rejoice. Don't worry. And I go like, hey, swing by my house. Life is not Mediterranean where I live, where you live. We don't have olives. Um, we have butterberries. It's not what you're experiencing. But you know, Paul, when I begin to read of what he declares about his life, I feel embarrassed that I would even think that. Because so often when we see happy people, we go like, yeah, of course they can be happy. Because Paul is right now sitting in prison and he is tied, chained to a God, and every hour they change, shift. And, and Paul is sitting in, in the worst place, and, and if you had to ask Paul, hey Paul, tell me about your life. Paul, Paul would say some of these things. Um, I've worked much harder than any one of you. I've been jailed more. And he would say, I've been at death's door many times. I was flogged five times with 39 lashes every single time. I was beaten with sticks by the Romans three times. I was shipwrecked three times. I was out in the cold. I was out in the city. My friends betrayed me. My enemies betrayed me. I had to fend off robbers. And not only that, I was left for dead after they tried to stone me to death with rocks and boulders because they wanted to kill me for preaching the good news of Jesus. And he would say, man, I have been naked. I have been poor. I have been burdened. And by the way, I have this thing called the thorn in the flesh, which I'm too embarrassed to tell you what it is. And three times I asked God, would you please take this away? And you know what he told me? My grace is more than enough. Like, thank you. 
but that's not what I'm asking you. And in that moment, you would go like, wow, Paul. Now, being in prison and having, as the King James would say, a sucketh life. <laughs> How are you writing a manifesto on don't worry, be happy, and don't be anxious? Rejoice always, because I would look at Paul and say, Paul, let me tell you from what I know, you are living in the perfect storm because anxiety is created when, when the unknown is perpetuated and disruption is occurring and a loss of control, the sense of no control is increasing and fear is being stoked in all of this. Paul, you're in the midst of a perfect storm. How is it that in the midst of a perfect storm, you are writing a New York bestseller on don't worry, be happy, and don't stress. Paul, how are you doing this? You see, I think one of the chapters in Paul's book would be, do you understand that the word anxiety in the original Greek means to be pulled apart? Oh, this is big. Because you see, this is how anxiety goes. A part of you is reaching for hope and faith. And while you reach, there is something else that pulls you with fear onto this side. And other that pulls you with a frantic emotion on this side. And anxiety has the ability to fragment your life where you feel you are pulled apart. Hey, have I had any witnesses in this place that knows how that feels? Paul would tell you in another chapter, let me tell you that worry is the power supply to the incubator where anxiety is grown. And, and anxiety, the seed of anxiety, is what's going on in your mind. And two weeks ago, and Caleb, by the way, did a spectacular job last week. He did a fantastic, I'm so proud of him. They say there's about 250,000 thoughts that goes through our mind. 250 goes through my wife's mind, guaranteed. 50,000 thoughts that go through my mind, and they say, you cannot control them, but you can decide which one of them are going to repeat. You see, and when you begin to incubate those thoughts, what happens is they begin to affect your emotions about people, situations, and things around you. And usually those feelings are destructive feelings. And, and Paul would say to you, there is an antidote spiritually to anxiety. And I know we have some very, very um, highly educated people that are in practice that will say, Pastor Peter, you've got to be careful right now because there's medical reasons and there's other reasons. And I agree with you. But can you give me room just for a second to tell you that there are some spiritual reasons and spiritual responses because we are not just a soul. Inside of us is a spirit man that can rise up and do something about what our emotions, our minds, and our bodies are experiencing. You are not your feelings. You are not your thoughts. You are that internal spirit being that God wants to make strong in Him so that there is somebody that can stand up when all of this is just messed up and go like, just stop for a moment. Because let me remind you, 
who you are and who God is. So I would say, hey, Paul, what is the antidote? And Paul would say, a secure mind is the antidote because anxiety, fear, and trauma starts in the mind. And that's where it's incubated. And I would go like, Paul, so tell me, what is the secret? Because you are sitting in prison right now. You had a terrible life. And Paul, I think, would tell me two things. He would say perspective, the way I see things. Secondly, who I'm connected to. How I see things and who I'm connected to. Because if we look at Paul right now and we say, hey, let's just not see beyond the, the reality of what he is. We go like, um, who are you connected to? And Paul would tell you, I'm connected to a Roman God that gets changed out every hour. And I go like, how does that work out for you? And, and Paul, what do you see? I am seeing that I'm in the dungeon of a prison and they've been trying to kill me for years and I don't know if I'm going to make this out loud. I don't even know. And you know what I think? What his letter would have sounded like if he didn't have a different perspective and a different understanding he was connected to? I think uh, Philippians would have sounded like this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is really suckish. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness because all of hell has broken loose and I've been through it. I am quitting my small group. I don't even like them. I'm not going back to church because their donuts and coffee is overrated. And I don't even like the songs. I'm just done with this whole mess. Come on, how many of you say, yep, that's how I feel from time to time. And I'm going to tell you, you know why you feel that way? Because you are looking at the wrong thing and you are forgetting who you are connected to. Because you see, perspective simply means how you see something. And the question is, what are you focusing on? And who are you connected to? Because Paul knew two things in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Um, I, I want them to put that scripture up and I want you to find the last four words in that Saying, and that, that scripture for me, the last four words, what do you see? What is he saying? Come on, shout it out. Come on, Greece campus online, shout it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is why you came. You need to know that. The, the Lord is near. You know, what, you know what Paul is saying? He's saying, hey, I am tied to a Roman soldier, but you know what's in between me and him? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Hey, I, I, why should I fear my tomorrow when the one who holds my tomorrow is right between me and this guy? Uh, why should I worry about my future if the one who created the future, I'm connected to him right now? Why should I worry about death when the one that promised me, if I get there, he is the good shepherd that walks through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. Why should I fear about my resources when the good shepherd that is my father and a good one is connected? connected to me here right now, I think the problem is that some of you have got messed up theology that says, if God is with me, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm blessed, I'm anointed, I'm filled with the joy of God. <laughs> Give me a break. Take it back to Tulsa, would you? It's not how this thing works. Because if that is the truth, God must have hated Paul. If that was the theology, 
I would have, I would have just stabbed myself in the eye if I'm Paul. Just stick me out, right, right, forget it. Because God, if that is the theology, can I tell you what the theology is? The theology is God will allow many things to happen, and sometimes He doesn't allow it. But whatever happens, He will never leave you, nor will He forsake you. And He will be the God of it all. He will be the great God. So, so Paul is saying this. Listen to him. Listen. He's got a different perspective. I want to feel sorry for him. Listen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has helped to spread the good news. What? As a result, it has become clear to all the soldiers who guarded the emperor and to everyone else that I'm a prisoner because of Christ. So through my being in prison, the Lord has given most of our other brothers and sisters confidence and courage to speak God's word more boldly and fearlessly than ever before. You know what I love? They think they're putting him in prison, but he gets to preach to the gods that guarded the emperor every hour of every day. Here's my question. Who's the prisoner now? Because the Bible says many came to faith while he was in prison. Don't you just love God's sense of humor? But he cannot do that with us when we do not understand that what we see is not the final picture. There is this guy in the Bible, his name's Jacob. If you remember Jacob, please say yes. If you don't, say yes. Nobody knows you're lying but Jesus. Uh, so Jacob, I love Jacob. He, 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 he went to go live with his, his uncle, um, but now I'm worried. It sounds like he's going to marry his niece. Um, but anyway, uh, he loved Rachel. Rachel is this beautiful woman. His uncle's daughter is his niece, right? I don't know if I can preach this anymore. But anyway, he loved her, and he says, hey, what must I do for Rachel? And he says, no, you've got to work for her for seven years. For seven years, he worked for this beautiful woman. Then it gets all confusing because he marries her, and he wakes up the next morning, and it's the ugly sister. So I want to say two things. Don't drink when you get married and wake up sober. Don't, don't, don't. Because he had to marry. He had to work another seven years to get Rachel. But now, listen. Listen to what he says, what our God can do. The God that is with you right now in your loneliness. The God that is with you with your doctor's report. The God that is with you in your panic attacks. The God that is with me in my fear. The God that is with us when we wake up 2 a.m. in the morning and our sweaty palms and we don't know how we can face the future. Listen what he said about that God. Jacob is saying in Genesis 50 verse 20, don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people, this is what he's saying. He's saying no matter what I see, I need to see through it. Because when I do, and I know I'm connected to the source of life, I know that this may be a season, but this is not my label. This is not who I am. This is not how it's going to be. Now, now, remember, remember when you went to the, to the, to the Park Air Festival, um, especially in South Africa where we come from, there were a lot of these things. they called stereograms. You, you, get, you get to a booth and um, there's a picture. Um, um, all of a sudden, you, you get to a booth and, and it's like, an artist that should not quit their day job. You look at these things and they go like, you go like, what is this? Wallpaper? They go like, no, it's a stereogram. Inside there is a hidden picture. 
you should just stare at it until you see it. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about, right? And then you get the people who are complete fakes that go like, oh yeah, there it is. And I go like, oh, just go away. You look, and you look, and you look. Because in that picture, there is an inverted heart. But, but you see, here is the problem. You go like, I don't see it. They say, don't look at it, look through it. And you go like, dude, what does that even mean? <laughs> what they are trying to say is, don't focus, don't put your gaze on here. You've got to kind of put your gaze over there. You've got to relax your eyes and let your focus go beyond the picture. Because when your focus go beyond the picture, by the way, you can Google that and drive yourself crazy all day. And, and, and the most incredible thing is this happens every single time somebody sees this, they go like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, there it is. <laughs> but for four hours, they didn't see a single thing. <laughs> oh, can I tell you something? The biggest miracle is when you realize that's what's in front of you, needs a oh my God moment. Yeah. That when you realize what has happened to you, needs a oh my God moment. When you realize whatever you are facing right now, need to, oh my God, moment when you stand in front of it and say, Holy Spirit, help me to see beyond what this thing is. Help me see what you can do with this. Help me see what I can become in it. Help me see what you're trying to fix in me and, and mold in me and prune in me. Holy Spirit, what you can do with this. It is uncomfortable. I've, I've been beaten. I've been cursed. I've been knocked over. My car's been repossessed. But Holy Spirit, I know that you are here right now as a gift that promise will never leave me or forsake. Let me see through it, Jesus. Let me see my tomorrows because when you know who you connected to and your perspective sees beyond what is seeable, somehow there is something that happens on the inside of us. Now, you know why? Because before Paul tells us to don't be anxious, pray about everything, he says, uh, don't be anxious, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. Then the God of peace that surpasses all understanding shall mount God and garrison over your heart in Christ. Then put your mind on these things. Think about these things. Before he says any of this, he says something that is of utter importance. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice Rejoice in the Lord. Now, the word rejoice comes from the Greek word to make loud, to exalt, to make famous, exaltation. And Paul experienced this before. You see, Paul and Silas were going about preaching the good news and healing sick people. And all of a sudden, a riot broke out and they were taken to the dungeon of a prison and they were beaten with sticks they were knocked in the face. They were uh, mocked and they spit on them. And, and they put them in the very belly, the darkest, darkest place in the jail. And they put their feet in stock and chain. And there they sit because they preach the good news of Jesus. So I want you to know that fair and unfair has got nothing to do with the goodness of God. Some of you are angry at God because you say it's not fair. I go like, baby, fair went out with the fall. God's plans are perfect. 
you call it unfair. God says, you have no idea what I can do through a heart that trusts me, rely on me, and puts their faith and confidence in me. And you say, Pastor P, you have no idea what I'm going through, and you are right. But I don't think you've ever been beaten with sticks and put the dungeons of a prison because you showed kindness and grace. But here's the mistake the, the people made. They put them in prison together. Come on, shout together. together. <laughs> Come on, shout together. together. Come on, Greece Campus, everybody shout together. together. Can I tell you that the biggest mm, accelerator of your freedom is when you are in community with others together. I love that enthusiasm, right? Let me tell you something. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, ten, one, two, puts ten thousand to flight. Bible says a twofold cord cannot be easily broken. And I want you to know the way the enemy gets you is to put you in isolation and he will pick you off every single time. Whenever you go to Africa and watch animals hunt, they will always isolate an animal. The only way they can hunt is to isolate. If they don't isolate, they cannot attack the pack. And I want you to know some of you go like, well, I just don't like groups. Hey, without groups, you are isolated and the enemy is going to pick you off. And I go like, forget what you like. This is what you need. You need to sign up. You need to get involved. You need to realize your breakthrough and your miracle is in the pack when you are together with somebody. And I want you to sit back. Don't leave. They will tase you in our campuses. I swear as anything. And then we have had these defibrillators for like 10 years and no, they've been practicing with those too. So they will Tase you and then defibrillate you. And then I will tell you, I told you so. Because I want to share with you a beautiful testimony of somebody that dealt with severe anxiety, but found a beautiful freedom in together. Check this out. It looks like panic. Feels like fear of everything. Walking out the door in the morning whether I'm a good mom, if I'm actually really saved and forgiven. You don't matter. You aren't cool enough. You aren't pretty enough. It looks like a blur. It does feel like everything that could possibly go wrong happening at once in any situation. That's what anxiety feels like. I've been a message maker. I've greeted. I've done kids ministry, I've done small groups, I've led one, I've been in one, I've done sisterhood. And from the outside looking in, you look like you're okay, you're doing it. You're walking this road with Christ and you've got people in your corner and it can still not be okay. You can still struggle feeling alone. Just because you come to church, everything is not great. Um, Kind of like Pastor Pierre said, it comes in waves. My waves are actually daily versus monthly or yearly. And isolation looks different. Um, it can be because I don't feel like I fit in at church or because I'm the only one in my family that goes to church. And facing my fears to join a biblical community, I realized that I can neglect God on my own. I can feel like a bad mom on my own. I can cope in the wrong ways on my own. How do you change anxiety? I prayed. 
had an honest prayer with God. Um, you show up to the group, you sit in the front row, and you raise your hands high, you sing to the top of your lungs because you know that it's God working in you and not you alone. And we assume that our people have to be people we've known for a long time. Since I've joined a biblical community, the voice of anxiety isn't the loudest one anymore and isn't the only voice I hear. Because I have that biblical community and people that are encouraging me um, and pouring into me very, very good mind food, anxiety says that I'm not enough, but I have people texting me that I am, people thinking about me, people looking for where I'm sitting at when I come to church. Anxiety is not the loudest voice. Wow, what a story. So Paul and Silas are sitting in the dungeon of a prison. And the Bible says their backs were beaten, ribs were broken, noses were bleeding, smelling. Feces, urine, rats are running around. They could have had a song of pain. They could have looked at each other and go like, hey, dude, you think this is worth it? Where is God? Did you ever read he like, Daniel, close the lion's mouth? Sure didn't work for us. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What a joke. Look at us. You look terrible, by the way. Yeah, I don't think God sees us anymore. It is normal to have a song of pain. Can I tell you something? All you will get in return when you sing a song of pain is empathy. But there is a different song. Because the Bible says at midnight. Come on, just say midnight. <laughs> you know why midnight? It was the darkest time of the night. Have you ever been in midnight? Some of you have been in midnight for two years. You know what I mean? You're in the lowest, lowest part of the dungeon, but there is in you a song of pain or a song of praise. But they know that the God of the heavens makes his home in the song of praise. Scripture says he dwells within the praises of his people. They, they, they probably said to each other, um, hey, remember when King Jehoshaphat had an army come at him that is so overwhelming that the Bible says men were trembling. They were, they were trembling on their feet. Hey, do you remember what they did? They took the praise and worship team and put them in front of the army and they began to sing praise. And when they began to sing praise, God showed up where the praise was. God didn't show up with the army. He showed up with the praise. And all of a sudden there were confusion in the army and they started started killing each other by the time the worship team came to the ranks of the army. The army killed itself. Aren't you glad you're not part of the praise and worship team? Oh, hey Silas, remember Jericho. Jericho's walls was impenetrable. But remember what they did when they began to sing and shout praise unto God. God of the heavens inhabit the praises of his people. And you know what happened? The walls came tumbling down. It, it, that's how God works. So just, just a suggestion, by the way, LOL. How about we begin to sing the song of 
praise, not the song of pain. Let's see what happens when we sing the song of praise and not the song of pain. And the Bible says at 12 o'clock they began to sing. I love how one translation says, robust hymns of praise. And the other prisoners heard them. You know what that means? That the sound and the song of praise is not in your head. It's out loud. That means something has got to come out of your mouth, not just think about it. That means in the midst of whatever you are going through, because the Bible says when they were sitting there and, and they were in the midst, I, I, think, I think they just decided to go like, Oh, waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Come on, that's why you worship leader. That is who you are. Come on, sing it with us, everybody. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, everybody, lock in. Here we go. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who Come on, all the campuses, let me hear you say, Waymaker, come on. Waymaker, miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who. Wait, 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 wait. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, in the midst of their robust praise, suddenly, how many of you are in need of the suddenly of God? Listen, the suddenly of God doesn't come in the song of pain. The suddenly of God shows up in the song of praise. This suddenly comes when hard things tackles ordinary lives. Listen, you know when you, you sleep at night, you have a business, and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, two o'clock you awake and you go like, my business is failing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and you begin to, you, your heart begins to pound and you, and you're self-medicating, you, you can't breathe, you begin to work out your, your exit strategy. There is a song of pain on the inside of you. Can I suggest there is something else that you can do? Oh, I, I can suggest that you raise your hands as high as it can go. Come on, dancing it. And you sing, way, way make a miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you Come on, everybody, just a little louder. Miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Listen, you can't pay your bills at the end of the month. You don't like the job that you have. You can either sing the song of pain or you can go to the restroom at your job. Raise your hands and say, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Come on, you've got to sing it a little louder so people can hear. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You and your spouse and your fiance, all of a sudden, every time you talk to each other, it's like scratching your nails on a chalkboard. You can't even say hello and you're growling. You can begin to go like, you have changed. It sucks to be with you right now. 
you know I can get better than you. Or you can grab her and say, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you This is my favorite part. When you don't. When I see, see that you're working. When I see that you're working. My stop, you never stop working. Oh, I like this part. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I feel that you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Come on, say it. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I see that you're working, even when I can feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Here we are, your sons and daughters in this place. And you are so mindful that we are living in difficult ground. That the world around us is fragmenting. That we are part of what is almost decaying. But thank you that in us lives a song of praise. God, no matter what we're going through, I pray that we will stop the song of pain and we will sing the song of praise. Even if we don't see that you're working, oh God, we will begin to look through our circumstance and know the Lord is near. The Lord is near. So Jesus, right now, thank you that you interrupt our songs of narcissism and pain. Fill our mouths with praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this is going to take no more than two minutes. This message has got to do with how we live life. But can I remind you again, there is no way to experience life apart from the life giver himself. We are experiencing diminishing life unless we are reunited with our Father. The Bible says that we are sheep, and all of us has gone astray. Sheep by its very nature drift, lose sight of the shepherd, and sometimes are just rebellious sheep. But God sent His Son, Jesus, to pay for what we could not pay for ourselves so that we can be invited back into the arms of a loving God. If you are standing here today and you say, Pastor P, that's me. Because I want to remind you 
we do not control when God calls. He says, no one can come to me unless drawn by my spirit. That's why he says, when I call you, do not harden your heart because I will not call you forever. And if you're standing in this moment and you feel the butterflies are flying, you go like, oh, that's me, that's me. Oh, can I encourage you? God wants nothing of you but your surrender and saying, I'm coming home. So right now in this room and online, if, if you say, that's me, I'm not going to ask that you come to the front. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for and say, Pastor P, that's me. I'm seeing hands everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Every, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Those who are joining us online, you can click on the response just underneath this window. Now I'm going to ask our beautiful church family that you pray with us in this moment. Hey, if you've raised your hand, Bible says, with your heart, believe, with your mouth, you confess. Can I invite you to whisper this prayer loud enough that your ears can hear as the church family prays with you right now? Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I can hear you calling me home. And I've got nothing to offer but just my surrender. And you said, if I call upon your name, you will rescue me from my own stubbornness and stupidity. Oh, create in me a clean heart. Cut away the guilt and the shame of my past. I'm coming home, Father. And thank you that your arms are open wide because you're a promise keeper. You're a way maker. You're a miracle worker. And thank you that you have invited me home. I believe my sins are forgiven. My life will never be the same again. I like being home with you, Father. Thank you for loving me by name. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate with those who prayed that prayer?